guys. This is Legend. I'm Sam. I'm Amy. And we are a podcast about cryptids, urban legends, and the paranormal. Guess what's happening? What? It's gonna snow here. Bullshit. (laughs) It is almost summer and it is going to snow. Isn't Colorado dumb? Hey, it's not dumb. It's just a little <laughs> indecisive. Uh, Maybe a bit airheaded. I'm glad it's you and not me. <laughs> I don't want snow. Mm. It's been like 80s, 90s, and it's going to snow. It's been 60s and 50s here still. See, that's perfect weather to me. Yeah. But this cold draft that we've been having all day makes me ready for spooky season <laughs> already. You have a few months to wait for that. <laughs> I know. Fall's the best season. Mm. Our cold weather has made me really nervous because I have a peony bush that I am in love with. And I it was like a really slow grower this year. So I thought that maybe the, all the coldness scared it away. But it's Aww. up and it has 11 balls on it. That means I'm going to have 11 peonies. I can't wait to see it. They're I so love excited. them. They're pretty. They're my favorite. I love how big they get and they smell so good. They're so big that they fall over. I love it. My mom calls them dumb plants because they can't hold themselves <laughs> up. <laughs> but they're beautiful. They're- I wonder why they made themselves that way. Because they're perfect for cutting and putting in a face. Mm, I could see it. (laughs) They're meant to bring love and happiness to your room. (laughs) They are very, very pretty. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) are you ready? Yeah. Is it, is it a good one? Uh, I think this is one of my favorite Warren cases. Okay. We're going to talk about the Perrin family. A.K.A. the Conjuring people. Yes! That's why I wasn't <laughs> going to ask you. Uh, actually, I haven't seen Conjuring in so long. I can't remember a damn thing. So it's all going to be new information for me. You know what is weird? It's probably a my bad on my part, but I didn't watch the movie like to compare it to this. I'm just telling you... <laughs> the actual things that happened so i can't tell you whether the conjuring is at all similar to this to be fair <laughs> the conjuring didn't have ryan reynolds all buff and hairy in it so i can see why you didn't watch it yeah and i just i don't know i just never got into the i've seen it a long time ago like when it came out but i just didn't get into it i saw the first one but i never continued I know nothing about the weird nun. I've never seen that one either. (laughs) So are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So in June of 1971, Roger and Carolyn Perrin moved into a farmhouse called the Old Arnold Estate on a 200-acre lot in Harrisville, Rhode Island with their five daughters, Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy, and April. Too many people. <laughs> the farmhouse had originally originally been built in 1736, which predated the Revolutionary War, 
by 40 years. Wow. That's an old house. Yeah. To make it clear, the house is 286 years old. Yeah. That's a little old. I thought the Missouri house was old because it was (laughs) built in 1902. (laughs) That is like almost 200 years older. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, when they moved into the house, it was reported that the previous owners told them, quote, for the sake of your family, leave the light on at night, end quote. That's fun. I always love warnings when you buy a new house. Old house. <laughs> um, while the parents were moving in, the previous owner, Mr. Kenyon, was taking the last of his things out of the house when Andrea who is the eldest daughter, observed a man behind him. Andrea asked who the man was, and her mother, Carolyn, said that there was nobody there and that she was imagining things. However, the other siblings noticed the man also, and then they all simultaneously went pale. And when they were asked what was wrong, they said, quote, the man in the living room with Mr. Kenyon just disappeared, end quote. Cool. (laughs) Um. Also, great momming. Just disregard whatever the child says. That's bad. Yeah. Oh, you're crazy. You yeah. have a crazy imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Within the first week of living in the house, Cindy, one of the younger daughters, was awoken in the middle of the night to sounds of whispers in her bedroom. Ooh. Scared, she ran to her older sister, uh, older sister's room, Andrea. And told her that the voices in her room, so it was like a cacophony, a cacophony of voices surrounding her. And I guess they were all saying uh, that there are seven dead soldiers buried in the walls, just repeatedly. It's a weird place to put them. Yeah, but <laughs> the house is old. You never know. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> i'm sure back before the revolutionary war they always buried people in walls hey remember when we talked about the um the church yeah but there are people church. true i mean unless you're trying to hide the bodies maybe but i feel like the materials of a house would show that there was a body buried in between them better than like stone <laughs> yeah uh, you're right um, there was a spirit named Oliver Richardson, according to April, which is another one of the younger daughters, who befriended her and would visit her at night. She and Cindy said they felt bad for him because he was trapped in the house and could never leave. Aww. Sad. Sad. Especially being stuck in a house with that many kids. <laughs> well, he, he was a kid. I, I think he was a kid. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if I remember right, he was a child. Okay. Didn't write that down, but I'm pretty sure he was a child, so maybe he liked having maybe. all the little he girls like, to play like with. like going to school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn also started experiencing some interesting occurrences in the home. While cleaning any room near the kitchen, she would hear someone sweeping in the kitchen. When she would go check... There was never anyone there, and the broom would be leaning against the wall. Carolyn would go back to cleaning the room she was in, and she'd hear the sound again. So then she'd immediately go back to the kitchen and check, 
And when she would go back, the broom would be moved to a different area of the kitchen. But like, is it possible that since the house is so old, it just has echoes of what she's doing in other rooms? It could, but it doesn't sound like she's sleeping in other rooms since she left the broom in the kitchen. When you're wiping stuff down, it can sound like sweeping and such. True. But I don't think that the broom would move. That's true. Unless Unless her kids were fucking with her. (laughs) I was going to say pinch poke you owe me a Coke, but also (laughs) could have been that too. No. So also she would find neatly piled dirt in the middle of the rooms that she had just finished cleaning when no one was home. How rude. They were like, you missed this. Probably (laughs) under the couch. (laughs) Probably her mother-in-law or something coming in. (laughs) Um, Andrea was being haunted every night by a female spirit with a bent neck that she believed had been hanged. That the when, neck lady from that show? What from what? That? that show. The one we were just talking about with the super pretty girl. Uh, Hush? No. No, the other nothing. one. But that girl? Yeah. The... Um, was it Bly, Bly? Manor? Fly, yeah, the bit neck lady. Oh yeah, okay, I do remember, remember? The, the little doll too. Yeah, that she had. Creepy. Ooh, maybe that's where they got it from. Wait, was it that one with the bit neck lady? I think yeah. so. I don't remember. It's one of those two. They blend together in my head. Yeah, I don't remember. Like I didn't finish Bly Manor, which I really need to because I'm obsessed with everything that guy makes and his wife, who is the girl that we think is so pretty. And I feel really rude because I don't know her name. I don't even but did you watch Midnight Mass? No, you told me to and Lindsay told me to, but I couldn't get through the first couple episodes. It was so boring. Are you serious? That's <laughs> literally my favorite one. No, I was so bored. So oh, my bored. gosh. I was like, I don't know. I loved that one instantly from the second I turned it on. I was like, this is my favorite. And that's. So Bly Manor, like, I didn't get bored necessarily of it, but I watched, like, three or four episodes, I think, and then I just, I don't know, I was just, like... Just didn't come back to it? (laughs) Well, I didn't, I think I just was having a hard time following what was happening. No, there is a lot going on, but, like, they do explain it pretty good as you get further into it. I want to finish it because I seriously loved the first one. I... (laughs) love midnight mass what is the first one called i can't remember i know for someone who really likes it i cannot remember and i love hush hold on uh haunting of hill house duh and while i'm at it which one was bent neck lady in i'm pretty sure it's the bly manor one because of the doll no, it's Haunting of Hill House because it's it's her, not it's the girl that well, I guess that's not a good reference for you. It's the girl when she hangs herself. 
Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. If no Wait. one has seen that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, before you put your phone down, look up what that actress's name is. You know, that's a good idea. We're just going to have a Google party. That way we can shout her out. Not that she needs a shout out from us, but just so that we can gush over her and not feel rude. <laughs> Kate Siegel, Seagal, Seagal. I knew that. I knew that actually. She because I remember reading it and being like, is she related to <laughs> Jason <Steven> Seagal <laughs> or Jason Seagal? Yeah. Oh, Steve. I don't think about him. I just instantly think of Jason. Did you know she's thirty nine? She's fucking gorgeous, is what she is. She's she's pretty dope, pretty bomb. I enjoy her acting too. I yeah, she is phenomenal. She's pretty um, great. Okay, so we were talking about the bent neck lady. Yes. So when Andrea told her mom this, Carolyn, um, Carolyn contacted a local historian who told her about a woman named Bathsheba Sherman. That's a fun That's one. Name. Yeah. yeah. He told Carolyn that Bathsheba enjoyed starving and beating the farmhands and that the Shermans had owned the farm for eight centuries and there was a lot of odd deaths that had occurred on the property, such as drownings, hangings, and murder. However, before we get too much further into it, I would like to point out that the Shermans did not own the farm for eight centuries. They didn't even live on the farm. Um, they did live close to the farm, but it was the Arnolds who owned the farm for eight centuries, hence the name of the house being the old Arnold estate. Um, wait, for I, eight centuries? Eight centuries. 800 years? Oh, wait, not eight centuries. Eight decades. <laughs> Whoopsies. <laughs> okay, okay. I could see that better, but that's a long time. 800 years? Yeah, woof. The house isn't even that old. They must have just been <laughs> laying around the land. Um, yeah, no. Eight centuries. <laughs> again, eight decades, everybody. Eight decades. Um, it was stated in some other sources that Bathsheba did visit the house on occasion, though. Oh. They did live close to each other. They just... She did not own the house. Um, in a roadtrippers.com article, they state, quote, the Black Book of Burrowville, the town's former public records book, reveals two suicides by hanging, one suicide by poison, the rape and murder of 11-year-old Prudence Arnold by a farmhand, two drownings, and the passing of four men who froze to death, in addition to other tragic losses of life, end quote. The Black Book of Burlville was a book that listed unusual deaths in the Burlville area, just to give you a little more <laughs> that background sounds on it. fun to read. They, I, so I was looking for the actual book, but I could only, it's like, there's like newspaper clippings of it. So I don't know if it was like an actual book or if it like came out in a magazine form way back in the day i'm not sure maybe it was like the burn book and since someone found it they had to burn it later on in the episode i'm gonna talk about a guy um named kenny bindle or biddle i think and he talks about the book a little bit 
and it is so it, it had to have actually been a book because there was a photo of him actually going through it mm, maybe he stole it I don't think so I think he was examining <laughs> it because he had gloves on I'm pretty sure and stuff like I think it's an artifact or not ah. art artifact makes it sound like they dug it up somewhere it's like a you know special book though I also found an article that talks about how the parents eight-year-old daughter started having puncture wounds and scratches they also state that spirits attempted to possess her and by the way that they made it sound it was multiple times um they also referred to her as carolyn which was the mother's name so i'm not entirely sure that that source is credible even though it is a travel channel article which i tend to trust those ones but maybe they typoed they might have However, I did find another article that stated the parent children described a woman in black clothing with a foul smell, sharp, jagged teeth, and her head twisted off to the side of her neck. And it's unclear whether that's the bent neck lady. Uh, So Bathsheba. I think it sounds like the bent neck lady. That's what I was thinking. So she was indeed a real person, but she did not live in the conjuring house. Historical records confirm that a Bathsheba Thayer was born in 1812. She later married a farmer named named Judson Sherman in 1844 at the age of 32 in Connecticut. They had four children, Julia, Edward, Francis, Herbert, and George. That's five. Judson (laughs) died... I can't math. Uh, <laughs> Judson died in 1881 and Bathsheba got remarried to a man named Benjamin Green a year later. Bathsheba died on May 25th, 1885 of a stroke. Bathsheba was buried in Riverside Cemetery, now Harrisville Cemetery, next to her first husband. And other than that, not much is actually known about her. Hmm. There are are a lot of rumors about her though i love rumors so one was that she was babysitting her neighbor's son when the infant mysteriously died that's how Mm. they put it that she Mm -hmm. that the infant mysteriously died he didn't shut up you mean (laughs) (laughs) well they go on after saying that that the infant mysteriously died they go on to tell you exactly how the infant died The infant had been impaled with a sewing needle to the skull. Good God. How Mm -hmm. long and thick was that needle? I guess it doesn't have to be very thick if it was an infant. It's not really going through anything hard. Well, also, I was wondering if they didn't mean like a crochet um, needle. That's That's what I imagined in my head. But yeah, a sewing needle is like... They They can be about two inches or so. It depends on what like thickness of thread you're using and what you're using it for true so uh it's unclear whether or not Bathsheba murdered the child or if it was an accident but I'm not entirely sure unless she dropped the baby on a sewing needle I'm and how was it standing up I'm pretty sure that that would still be considered like an accidental manslaughter charge if you stabbed somebody with a sewing needle? Well, I mean, if you had a sewing needle that somehow miraculously ended up in someone's skull. Yeah, but accident, I feel like the 
the force that it would take even an infant skull well think about it. maybe the the kid was like banging his head around because kids do weird things like that and she had like a needle in her hand and she's like hey stop that and she like pointed the needle at it and it goes boing and just bangs his head into it <laughs> maybe we gotta think um, about all the possibilities here true true so like i said it's unclear if she murdered the child or if it was an accident um it's also been said that her son herbert died before his first birthday because bathsheba stabbed him to death a week after he was born her husband is said is said to have caught her in the act and heard her vowing allegiance to the devil later she would climb a tree and hang herself but According to an allthingsinteresting.com article, they state that the suicide story is, quote, utterly fabricated. <laughs> also, in one of the Skeptical Inquirer articles that I'll talk about a little bit later, I read um, they had a little uh, sheet of, like, the birth and date or death ranges mm-hmm. for the kids and stuff. And Herbert's date of birth um was 1850 and his date of death was listed as 1903 making him 53 years old at the time of his passing yeah he he seems a little older than a week yep uh i also like to point out that there's no concrete evidence of anything of the sort with bathsheba so it's kind of sad to ruin her reputation even if it's after death Maybe she just scared the shit out of everybody in town, so they had to make stuff up to feel better about why she scared them. Maybe. But she, it, there's nothing, like, fantastical, you know, <laughs> written about her. But maybe she could have been, you know, not nice, but, or scary looking or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But she seemed fairly normal from the lack of information. <laughs> After the historian told Carolyn about Bathsheba, she decided to contact the Warrens. When the Warrens came in 1974, they asked a Catholic priest to perform a blessing on the house. Of course. So they they had the priest come to do the blessing on the house, but they actually wanted a blessing more for Carolyn because... Apparently, Carolyn had started wearing vintage turn-of-the-century dresses, and she was speaking in an antiquated language. That's dope. That is so (laughs) something I would have done if I didn't go the emo route. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I often wish I would have gone that route instead of (laughs) the other way. Would have made family pictures a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Warrens didn't believe she was possessed possessed just then however they believe she was oppressed which is the stage right before possession i don't know if you remember when we talked about annabelle but they have uh three stages of a possession oh yeah and my idiot ass did not write down the first stage but it was the first stage in annabelle but for this one, they say Carolyn's in the second stage, which is, which is oppressed. Mm. And then possession is the third stage. 
According to FrightFind.com, quote, it involves emotionally wrecking a person coupled with slight physical disturbances in an effort to funnel them into possession, end quote. That sounds like high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess you're absolutely right. (laughs) Um, After the priest blessed the house, they decided to do a seance. During the seance, Lorraine Warren kept picking up on the name Bathsheba, even though no one told her about Bathsheba. Oh, yeah, sure. That's what I was, was going to say. Mm. Also, during the seance, Carolyn allegedly got possessed and almost died. According to Andrea, the eldest daughter, uh, who we'll definitely talk more about later on, um, when she heard uh, her mom scream, she thought she was dead. Oh, she says that her mother was possessed for several minutes and was speaking in an unknown language. Um, So the kids were not involved in the seance, but Andrea says that her and her sister snuck down from their bedrooms. Of course they did. I mean, yeah, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) But I just wanted to let you know that, you know, Roger and and Carolyn were not like... (laughs) Come, come participate in this come on, uh, kids. seance <laughs> let's bring the devil in here <laughs> so um she says that her mother was possessed for several minutes and she, oh i already read that part Boop. then she started to levitate uh before being thrown across the room her head slammed against the floor which rendered carolyn temporarily unconscious before she woke up and was back to her normal self after this happened, Roger kicked the Warrens out. But apparently the Warrens did come back one more time to check on Carolyn and make sure she was okay. Sure, sure. That was <laughs> all they were trying to do. Yep. After the seance, the parents did not experience any paranormal activity in the home for almost a year. One evening, Andrea found her mother sitting in the parlor mumbling to herself. She told Andrea that she had walked into the dining room and saw a family in 18th century clothing sitting around a dinner table and eating. Then one of the men sitting at the table turned to look at Carolyn and nudged the people around him and they started pointing at her before they faded away. Hmm. Weird. Due to financial reasons, the parents remained in the home for almost a decade but eventually they had the money to move to a different farmhouse in Georgia. The Warrens, always wanting to profit from their cases. No, they don't. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, they're saints. Yeah, totally. They asked Carolyn <laughs> about a year after they had moved if she would write a book about the experiences the family had in the house. Carolyn seemed extremely hesitant to talk about the hauntings and told Lorraine that she would talk to Roger about it. After the call, she went to do her laundry when suddenly the laundry room door became unhinged and hit her from behind. She was diagnosed with a concussion and a dislocated shoulder. Yeah. She took that as a sign that um, she was going to uh, say no. So when she spoke to Lorraine the next day, she told Lorraine that they would not be sharing their story. Good job. It obviously took. (laughs) Yeah, totally. 
Eventually, Carolyn and Roger got a divorce and lived in different states. Uh, But by all accounts, the girls are doing fine and they're all pretty successful. But I want to talk about Andrea in particular. She ended up writing a trilogy about the experiences in the house, which I wish I would have had time to read, but obviously I did not. Um, And she is very active in talking about the experiences that they had in the house. If you look up the conjuring house, Andrea is who comes up like Andrea is involved in everything Um, in the Hill house. Didn't one of Mm -hmm. the brothers write a book? They were all mad at him, weren't they? Or was that the Bly? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I have to rewatch this. It's been a long time since I've seen Hill House. Um, So let's talk about Andrea. Let's do it. So like I said, you'll find her a lot when you look up The Conjuring House. And she's a very, very interesting person. Like, very interesting um since living in the conjuring house she has become a writer she attends many cons um she speaks at lectures she has a phd she says that she now sees the world a lot differently than other people she says that everyone else sees the world in a three-dimensional way while she sees beyond that I watched an interview with her on Los Angeles Conscious Life Expo on YouTube, um, which is going to be linked in the sources. It's an hour and a half Ooh. long, so dedication. I I did not <laughs> even scratch <laughs> the surface of that in in my writing. Like I I was not. <laughs> she was saying things that I didn't even understand. <laughs> I literally, I did not understand it. So, um, but this is what I did take from it. She has a very calming tone of voice and a very calming demeanor. Like, and she's very intelligent sounding. I I mean, I'm sure she is intelligent. I'm not saying she's not. She has a PhD. (laughs) um, Take some work. More intelligent than me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But she states that she knew from a very young age that she was born different. She says that she was born knowing how to cook everything. Nice. She was born knowing how to read sheet music. And I'm not saying she learned this. She's saying she was legit born this way. Um, she said that before 10 years old, she could play seven instruments. And she says music is a part of her cosmic connection. She says that at 12 years old, after moving to the farmhouse, she became able to talk to different beings in an interdimensional way. She she says she spends the least amount of time as possible in the 3D world. I mean, I would too. (laughs) She's Yeah. Um, And like I said, she wrote a trilogy on her experiences at the house. And she also claims that only 5% of the Conjuring movie is accurate. I, I can see that. Well, I mean, I kind of can see it because I can't remember half the movie. Um, but I think, don't we live in a 4D world because we have more than just our vision? 
Like we can touch things. Well, when she said three, when she was talking about the 3D world, she was saying beyond our, our five senses. So I don't know. Like I said, so much of what she said went <laughs> right over my head. I did not understand a lot of what she was talking about. One, because I just don't think that I'm in that world of like the consciousness you <laughs> yeah. know you know what I'm saying like I don't I don't I'm just now learning about chakras <laughs> like I don't understand no. any of that so I am definitely not the person and I this is not like a beginner's lecture they were like fully into it so I could not explain to you what she meant <laughs> whatsoever sounds good but it is linked if you want to watch it um so has anyone experienced any activity since the parent family i found an article about the new owners titled the house that inspired the conjuring has two fearless new owners they say it's still haunted long title it was published on all that's interesting.com by aaron kelly on october 3rd 2021 so it's recent Corey and jennifer Heinzen, who happened to be paranormal investigators, bought the house in June of 2019 and claimed to have had several experiences in the home. Corey is quoted as saying in a Sun Journal article, quote, we had doors opening footsteps and knocks. I've had a hard time staying, staying there by myself. I don't have the feeling of anything evil, but it's very busy you can tell there's a lot of things going on in the house, end quote. Ah. Their daughter... I read an article a while ago about how the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, 2020, uh, made people start feeling like their houses were haunted more because more people were staying home. So I could see that because you're yeah, observing... Because you're there 24-7, house- you know what it, everything that's going on in there. Mm-hmm. And I think that your house, I'm not saying that some of their houses aren't haunted, but houses sometimes just make weird noises. And if you're not there a lot of the times, maybe you're not used to the noises your own house that's makes. That's true. So maybe that's what was going on with them. New house and they got trapped. I also think they're I was just going to say they're also probably bored as fuck. And they're like, we're living in a haunted house. And then they're going to take every little noise and be like, oh my God, that was Peter, the ghost. And there's TikToks. Yeah. Which could make you a TikTok famous. With strings. So speaking of um, TikToks, you segued right into my next paragraph here. Their daughter, Madison Heinzen, has released several TikTok videos about the house. Um, And in one, she shows how in the 1980s, the basement of the home used to be a daycare. There is, yeah, well, this is weird. (laughs) There is still a toy box from the daycare in the basement. And on the toy box, there is a child's drawing in pen of a lady with (laughs) a bent neck. (laughs) Yeah, sounds familiar. Um, 
Not much is really known about the daycare, but Madison says that all the parents withdrew their children from the daycare on the same day, most likely due to paranormal activity. However, I could not find anything else about it except for this one article Mm. and Madison's word. So the Heinzen family also allowed Zach Baggins to stay at their house for a summer to investigate. Uh (laughs) And so I watched it. He stayed there the whole summer. It was a Halloween. I don't think he stayed there the whole summer, but I think he stayed there. He did stay there for several days. So it was a Halloween special. And if you have Discovery Plus, it is under season 22, episode one. It is titled The Curse of the Harrisville Farmhouse. What was pretty neat is that Zach had Andrea Perrin there, and she is who gave him a tour of the house. As she's giving the tour of the house, she steps into a library and says that the library used to be her parents' bedroom and that that is where Lorraine Warren uh said that Bathsheba murdered the infant so based on that statement I'm assuming that the neighbor's son that we talked about that she was babysitting was probably an Arnold's child probably but again there's no proof of that whatsoever yeah you'd think there'd be like a news article somewhere because it's weird we'll get to that (laughs) we'll get to that um (laughs) During her walkthrough with Ghost Adventures, um, they were playing clips from a recorded interview with Roger Perrin, Andrea's father. And in one of these clips, I just had to put this in here because it was interested. And you know what? He sounds extremely genuine. I'm not like a voice analyzer expert, but he (laughs) sounded really genuine. Um, But he stated that he punched Ed Warren in the face after the seance and knocked out one of Ed's teeth <laughs> before throwing them out of the house. That's awesome. Did he keep the tooth? I don't know. I I didn't see that anywhere else, but it was him saying it. Um, so I'm not going to get super into the evidence that they found. I'll talk about a few things though. But if you want to, I told you where to watch it. I have access. Go do that. Will I? Probably not. I just can't stand him. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but okay. I'll get into it. <laughs> um, so there were the usual emotional outbursts from Zach. Um, the little stick figure machine thing. Um, some EVPs. <laughs> the Xbox thing. <laughs> <laughs> they did catch a shadow figure in a window completely blocking out the light, which I did think was interesting but something that i really thought was interesting was that keith and carl johnson investigated the first night with zach's team who's that those (laughs) i i just i was gonna put it those names may not be familiar to you but you do know who they are They are demonologists and brothers who would often go on ghost hunter investigations and they were the ones who performed the blessings on the the houses. Like 
towards the beginning of the episodes yeah okay Mm -hmm. i do know who they are isn't that interesting any attention to names (laughs) and me neither well i did know that their names were keith and carl but i didn't like i had to look it up because it like struck something i was like this why brothers demonologists why does that sound familiar so i had to actually google to see if it was them and it is but even more interesting than that is that they were apparently the first people to investigate this house before the warrens they were talking about how they had just started like investigating houses when they put up a little i can't remember i should have wrote this down i can't remember if they put up a flyer in the supermarket or if it was the um parents who put the flyer up but somehow one of them got a hold of each other and they investigated i couldn't really like find any information about what their investigation like what came of it but they actually did investigate before the warrens that's interesting which that blew me i was just about to ask you Um, actually if they had found anything and then you answered it it's like you read my mind (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) um so during the investigation with zach it appears that carl becomes possessed for a short period of time although he doesn't directly come out and say that but he's sitting at the dinner table and i think it's aaron that's sitting across from him and they're kind of like in their own worlds just sitting there quietly at this table And all of a sudden you just see his eyes close and he like hunches forward over the table and he just repeats like in a really weird tone of voice, don't leave me over and over and over and over. And then after a little bit, um, his brother Keith comes in and does a blessing on him. That's, that's interesting. Uh, Are you sure he wasn't oppressed? At one of the three stages. <laughs> he had sure. not donned the period clothing yet, though, so. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I also found another investigation that was done by a writer for People magazine. This woman's name is Julie Jordan, and she and three of her friends, collectively known as, as the Ghost Moms, stayed at the conjuring house and did their own investigation the title of the article is quote we tried it i spent a night at the real life conjuring house and yes i think it's haunted what is with these long titles i don't know i've noticed that when i'm making the blog posts is that i just copy the titles and put it next to the links and some of them are like two lines long i'm like dude it's not an introductory paragraph to be succinct (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, In the article, she talks about how she was a guest investigator for an episode of Ghost Adventures, and she blames Zach Baggins for her passion for investigating. They also investigated while the Heinzens were the owners. She states that within minutes of the lights being turned off, something tripped their motion detectors, and there were loud creaks in the living room as if someone was walking by. They also claimed to have seen a ball of light in a corner that had no obvious source as they were all standing around she says that a table somehow bumped into one of her friend's legs when no one was next to it 
She also says after grabbing a book from the bookshelf and then putting it back, it fell to the floor. She swears she made sure the book was perfectly back. Uh, She even made a joke about having OCD. So she knew she wouldn't like, she made sure that everything was straight, Mm. you know, and pretty back on the bookshelf. Um, She says she isn't sure if it was paranormal, but she, like I said, she said she knew she pushed it all the way back on the Mm. shelf. Lastly, I had to point out um, that she says, uh, I just had to do this for us because after every investigation, because we've talked about it a few times before, she says that after every investigation, they, quote, inform any spirits out loud that they are not allowed to follow (laughs) them home. (laughs) I don't think that they give a shit. Like. I no. don't see them being like, hmm, well, this person was kind of annoying. Let's go bother her at her house. <laughs> I could not imagine that your words are going to keep something yeah. away from you. Um, her article also claims that the house is up for sale now for $1.2 million, although it's booked for investigations all the way through 2022. Wow. Because it is yeah. 2022. <laughs> hmm but they're trying to sell the house simultaneously (laughs) so according to so i read two skeptical inquire articles okay you'll see why in just a second um but this skeptical inquire article that i read was written by kenny bid it's biddle i always want to say bindle but it's biddle Um, whose bio says, quote, Kenny Biddle is a science enthusiast who investigates claims of paranormal experiences, equipment, photos, and video. (laughs) He promotes science, critical thinking, and skepticism through his blog, I am Kenny Biddle. Biddle, sorry. (laughs) He frequently hosts workshops on how to deconstruct and explain paranormal photography, end quote. So clearly... If the fact that he writes for Skeptical <laughs> Inquirer and he pretty much tries to debunk every single paranormal thing, he is a skeptic. A wee bit. Yes. <laughs> he states that the owner before the Heinzens, Norma Sutcliffe, said, quote, I never said I believed in ghosts, but did remark on some sounds, which of course could be explained by natural causes, end quote. Because I don't know if you know, but the ghost hunters investigated the house in season two, episode seven on Discovery Plus. <laughs> I remember the episode vaguely and I did not rewatch it. Um, but I do remember that they had the closet door open and close. Um, but as the ghost hunters and the blog point out, it could have been because of difference in air pressure. Although the article goes on to add, quote, or an accomplice behind the door, end quote. Yeah. Not with the ghost hunters. I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, how dare you? (laughs) Um, So my second skeptical inquire article that I read was by Joe Nickel. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) 
I believe Joe Nichols' entire goal in life was to prove that the Warrens were frauds. Yeah, I'm it pretty sure that like was, it. <laughs> I think that was well. He has all of this. His toes, you know. I and I, of course, I'm a little biased on that opinion because I've been looking into the Warrens' yeah. cases. But I mean, he also did Champ, so which is not Warren related, but it does really seem like he's got it out for the Warrens. Well, we'll just have to keep track of all the different things he pops up on. Maybe we can find a pattern in what he his goal in life is. So I I think for one episode I kind of just want to do <laughs> a story about Joe Nickel. Uh, that'd be fun. Um so anyways <laughs> And I, like I said, I just can't resist when I see his name. So I had to go look and read his, uh, <laughs> his article. Cause hearing Joe Nickel just sets my heart a fluttering. <laughs> um, so Norma, I mean, there wasn't, so Kenny Ben Biddle did the kind of the same thing. And he references, that's how I found Joe Nickel's article because he says, you know, well, Joe Nickel already covered this. So there wasn't really much difference, but um, he in his article, he did say that Norma Sutcliffe, um, her husband talks about, or no, sorry, Norma talks about how the parent family were probably told to keep the lights on because the light was needed to get to the bathroom um, in the middle of the night due to how, quote, dangerously dark the house was. So not because of anything supernatural. It just get night lights. Yeah, I I know, but <laughs> just had to, that was just had to point it out. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Uh, Sutcliffe does not think that they were told to keep the lights on <laughs> because of ghosts. So now we go back to Kenny Biddle's article, and he claims that Andrea's trilogy is full of conflicting and repetitive accounts of what happened in the house. He refers to it as like um it's fluff and that she uses like what is that term when you use um really descriptive like flourish like flourishy writing is that what i'm trying to say it's like i think so you're using a lot of uh fancy words but you're not really saying anything is what he was saying yeah um so he also states that Andrea's book is full of misinformation about the deaths. This is what his article really focuses on is this misinformation about all those like unusual deaths that were said to have happened on the property. He goes into great depth to debunk all the deaths <laughs> from the Black Book of Burlville. I will not go into each death because <laughs> it would we could literally make an entire episode just on all the deaths that were claimed to have happened in the house um and he debunks literally every single one of them so i do suggest if you want to read that it'll be linked in our sources um he really really did a good job of debunking (laughs) it however i will quote him because i love to take quotes from people (laughs) um The deaths of several figures have been attached to the history of the farmhouse, often cited as the cause of the haunting activity. Yet when proper in-depth research is performed, 
one will discover there is little connection between these deaths and the farmhouse, end quote. Mm. And then I'm going to bring up another familiar name oh, Lordy. from R. Warren's episode, <laughs> Stephen Novella, yep. who is the president of the New England Skeptical Society. Um, he is also not convinced that the Perrin family hauntings are real. More accurately, it seems he's skeptical of the Warrens, which honestly we've already talked about. We talked about how Ness tried to investigate the Warrens and were given no evidence except the one tape of the man that disappeared in the living room, which they sent off to be expertly analyzed and it turned out to be fake. He says about the Warrens, quote, the Warrens are good at telling ghost stories. You could do a lot of movies based on the stories they have spun, but there's absolutely no reason to believe there's any legitimacy to them, end quote. And lastly, according to hauntedplaces.org, 86% of people believe that the Conjuring home is haunted. Okay, but have 86 people, 86% of people been there or lived there? I don't, I don't think they've been there, but there's been a lot of people that's gone (laughs) to the house. So what I think I so this one's the hardest for me because obviously a lot of um things are debunked for that house like they it all just comes down to research they make a lot of claims that are false and even I can't remember which person was talking about Zach Baggins but they were saying like how ridiculous it is that even in the opening statements of the episode for the conjuring house, everything he said was bullshit and could have been disproven if he would have just took the two seconds to look it up. (laughs) And so they were saying that he's just perpetuating, you know, a false narrative, which I 100% agree with. I think that, pretty much everything when it comes to the Perrin family I don't know exactly if I believe everything is bullshit (laughs) but I think Andrea's kind of taken some creative liberties Mm -hmm. things that have happened in the house um I do think that there could be hauntings there because the house is like a million (laughs) almost 300 years old Mm -hmm. the civil war the revolutionary war not to mention like the indian wars i could imagine that it's seen quite a few things and i can't imagine that there's been quite a few deaths like around the property yeah you know just because of everything that was going on throughout history so i would imagine that there would be some spiritual stuff do i think Bathsheba killed any children no i don't i think all of that's bullshit but um yeah what do you think i think eh, i think it's possible a lot of it is possible kind of i don't know about the period clothing and the properness but <laughs> honestly, I want to know where she got it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, well, I mean, maybe there was like a trunk in the attic or something. Could be. 
But I mean, would it not be moth-eaten and like torn to shreds? I don't know. True. But any time the Warrens are just like called in like immediately like that, it just makes me think it's a little fishy. I know. There's just something meh. But meh. on the bright side, like her being like, no, we're not going to sell that story. That makes it kind of like 100%. Uh, she obviously isn't doing it for money. Exactly. Her daughter probably is. <laughs> well, and Andrea in the episode with Zach Baggins, she does come out and say that um, while she thinks that, you know, Lorraine meant well, that the Warrens meant well in general, that she doesn't believe Bathsheba is the bent neck lady anymore. Like yeah, she no. doesn't think it has anything to do with it. So she seems level headed. Mm-hmm. But she also does kind of seem like she's out to make a buck. Yeah. I don't know. And like to still perpetuate it. I don't feel like Bathsheba had anything to do with anything. Mm -mm. I think she was just thrown in there because she was a creepy lady around town or something. Yeah. Something like that. So let us know what you think. Have you been there before? Because a lot of people have investigated it. We would really like to hear about that. And of course, if you want to submit a story about any cryptids or urban legends or any paranormal experiences you've had, send them on over. You can send them to us at our email. This is legendpod at gmail.com. We also have a lovely website called this is legendpod.com. And then you can always hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. At This Is Legend Pod. Uh, So keep it spooky, classy, and sassy. But most of all, keep it legendary. See ya. Bye-bye.